0: Welcome to another episode of the In the Limelight Podcast. I'm Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. You are tuned in to HealthWise 360 with Christy Cordingly. Enjoy. So hello and welcome to this episode of Healthwise 360, a creation of Clarissa Burt, founder of In the Limelight Media. I'm your show host, Chrissy Cordingly, and you'll be able to see this interview on In the Limelight TV, which is distributed on Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and a hundred other smart TV apps. The audio version of this interview can be heard wherever you listen to your podcasts. And today I'm super excited because I'm interviewing Sally Raymond, who is a longtime marriage and family therapist and Toastmaster. And they, she has authored a unique suicide prevention book, The Sun I Knew Too Late, A Guide to Help You Survive and Thrive. That would be more accurately titled How to Keep Life Worth the Living. In it, the stories she was forced to exhume the hardest way possible that took her superstar son to suicide are told, framed with the help of the illustrious Dr. Eric Erickson, to help the living know how to both thrive throughout life as well as avoid what he didn't. And Sally guarantees her readers and audiences will laugh, cry, learn, grow wiser, and most importantly, they will heal. Welcome, Sally. It's such an honor to talk to you.
1: Thank you so much, Chrissy. It's a delight to be here and to get to know you.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm really excited about this so let's I know we're going to talk about some hard things today um, but so let's get right into some of the the harder subjects what from your point of view is energizing because we're seeing a spike in suicides especially in the USA we're seeing it here in Canada as well but ages 15 to 24 we're seeing this immense struggle what do you think is happening?
1: Oh it's a setup Chrissy we have been set up for a perfect storm for suicide.
0: Yeah.
1: And there are really, I've because of what I've had to find out the hard way, I've also found out what we're doing
0: mm-hmm.
1: or not doing that is creating this phenomenon. We have never had in the world, it's never been this bad. The only thing that kills more young people today is accidents. And many of those aren't, Yeah, you know? And so when that's the second most likely cause of death, something is extremely wrong with our society. And I'll tell you a couple of things. I mean, I'll tell you seven things if you want. But one of the things is in America, we don't teach emotional intelligence. We don't teach people how to emotionally self-regulate. We don't teach them how to listen. We don't teach them the power of nonverbal messaging, whether you're giving it or lit- reading it from others. Mm-hmm. We aren't teaching people how to succeed and feel joy in life. We're not teaching the skills that absolutely predict happiness in life. It's not, in you know, in uh, intellectual intelligence that makes us happy and successful it's emotional intelligence yet we don't teach it we assume parents will teach it who've never been taught it either which is a recipe for complete failure and on top of that in america we teach a lot most of the classes on the curve which is what creates competition between perfectly fine kids Mm -hmm. and so when you pit the kids against one another And you keep that going throughout school. They become more good at being vicious and angry and alienated and also attacking and bullying the edges because most of them are not going to be, are not identified as such. And so you're creating competition, competition with no intelligent emotional intelligence is a recipe for help. It's only, yeah. And it creates the bullying It creates the alienation it creates the hopelessness it creates people who either shoot up with drugs or else shoot others Mm -hmm. because suicide they're all committing suicide and suicide always destroys not only the person doing it but everyone around them that they love anyone close to them and so the school shooters shoot all those around them and in a suicide anyway will just destroy the lives of everybody else Mm -hmm. so one of the things schools aren't doing they're not being effective in in controlling bullying in fact they're basically by not being effective they're reinforcing it
0: implicit
1: yeah and so and then they all we also another thing is we expect 18 year olds to be adults we call them adults funny their brain isn't going to mature until 25 and so you've got seven years where they're supposed to be something they can't be how is that going to work for them not well yes and so when schools and expectations and society's expectations align with the neurological reality of our human brains then we will be in more positive connection Mm -hmm. if we 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 don't have to teach to the curve there's something called criterion reference testing which basically you are pitted against yourself and your grade is only a function of what you've done or not done i had one class all my life in with that kind of testing and it was revelational the kids everybody loved each other everybody was you know connected and fun and sharing and all that it had a completely different vibe than all the other classes I ever took. So we're creating hell in the ways that we're, what we're not doing and how we've organized things. And we don't seem to know how to change. And it's just a simple choice.
0: It is. And I think in America, especially, I know a little bit in Canada too, but in America, I mean, the teachers, the frontline people they're also not equipped with you know livable wages and support and systems like it's it's sort of it, it it's just yeah like you said it's just a perfect storm of inadequacy around the whole system to support
1: mm-hmm.
0: good human living right and emotional regulation emotional intelligence i think you're 100 right we're seeing here the development of things called met schools which are different things they're they're graded differently they get to choose the topic of their subject, so they learn more about they get a little more into and excited about the things that they're learning because they have a little bit of participation in creating some of their curriculum as well within guidelines and it's really interesting to see those kids come out with high degrees of empathy and intelligence and resilience and just you know it's 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 awesome but it's it's definitely not enough yet. But hopefully, we'll get there one day.
1: Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you're making a heck of a case for me moving there. Yeah,
0: come on up. Uh, other than the snow, you might enjoy the the winters. But we'll.
1: we'll...
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we do have some good stuff. Um, oh,
1: no.
0: Yeah. So, what are what are you? I know that you are very passionate about this, and this has become a mission for you. Um, what are you doing to be part of the solution? What are what would you recommend to educators and parents that you've learned? from your experience
1: okay well uh ever since well after my son died i went through a huge i i died with him and Mm -hmm. part of me was i was just becoming licensed as a psychotherapist so the mom died i couldn't survive but the psychotherapist in me was like what did i miss Mm -hmm. And that threw me into an odyssey to, of a retrospective to look for the stories I must have missed that from his point of view made perfect sense of what he did. And I found them little by little, one by one, and each one just threw me into a tremendous grief process. And then finally I would uh, I type it up and just throw it in a in a file cabinet and close the door and never be able to look at it again. But um, what I what I realized is that the emotional intelligence piece was what a huge piece that was missing. And so for the last twenty years, I've gone by invitation, teacher invitation. I go into the schools. And teach a particular class, either the at-risk or the gifted kids, Mm -hmm. that matter. emotional intelligence. I teach them the skills to emotionally self-regulate. I teach them the skills to learn how to use their nonverbal and verbal skills in congruence together to make themselves much more effective and powerful people. And they find that they matter. They find out they can succeed. They find out that everyone can succeed. And it just is like watching a wave just rise and rise and rise. And these kids just eat it up. Mm-hmm. You know, it's challenging and it's but for nothing, it. But it's, they're, they're, this is what they have been needing forever. And nobody has given it to them. And in eight weeks, I mean, I'll tell you, when, class, I walked in. It was an at-risk class. The teacher and, and, and greeted me with, these kids will be lucky to get a job at McDonald's. And I was like, what a terrible teacher.
0: Yeah.
1: Eight weeks later, I mean those the, I walked in, the, the eyes were dead, totally checked out. They weren't paying any attention to anything but what they were doing. Eight weeks later, you couldn't believe the eyes were on fire. The hands couldn't stop raising. And then they had to go out and compete against 110 schools nationwide in America. And this class swept five of the seven categories. That's amazing. (laughs) And when the teacher came back, he just told me, he said, this is impossible. And I said, no, this is a failure of your educational system. If I can do this in eight weeks, you have no excuse. And I mean, years later, I felt a tap on my shoulder out and about one night. And I turned around and this girl said, bet you don't remember me. And I said, hi, Stacy," yeah. And she said, I just wanted to tell you that of all the classes I ever took in school, yours was by far the best. Aww. Well, that will keep me going for the rest of my life. So that's what I do. And it's just, it's a miracle to watch what happens and these kids get it.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. And it just is like they've been dying. They've been starving for this all their life. And finally, somebody's showing them that they have the inherent skills to succeed. Yes. And to be happy and to connect with one another and appreciate each other's stories and realize how very beautiful and very dimensionalized they all are. And these kids will never bully each other. They won't. They just can't. You know, they've created a bond that's just unbreakable.
0: Once you discover empathy, it's very hard to shut it off, Um, which is awesome. We just got to wake people up. Mm -hmm. I love that you mentioned gifted kids. And I think a lot of people need to realize, because as a former gifted kid myself, Mm -hmm. sometimes you tie your worth into your achievements. So if there's ever a point in your life where you're down or you don't get the A on the test, it can have a big terrible effect on self-esteem and it can put you into a spiral, which could be then also people going, What you failed a test, right? Like it just so it's I love that you mentioned that you work with kids like that as well because I think it's like the saying like check on your strong friends, right? Like (laughs) that just because they're they're showing like they've got it all together doesn't mean there's not turmoil inside. Some people Hide it through hard work, or overworking, or hyper or hyper achievement. Right?
1: Exactly right. Uh, my son was one of those edges that all the kids love to hate. Uh, he couldn't help it. He was—he actually was reading it too. He was teaching calculus at fourteen. At 16, he was invited into Carnegie Mellon in theoretical math. And in four years, he had both his bachelor's and master's awarded simultaneously.
0: Amazing.
1: And he lived another year and a half. But so much was he had never gotten a B. And that's exactly what killed him. Yeah, sure Can you please share his story? Yeah. The night he died, he, he actually died on Good Friday. Um, uh, he was he had finally gotten a great job after after school he, in working in Silicon Valley for a a, a a tech company, IT company that he was so thrilled. He, they gave him the job of being point man on their development team. And he loved it. He was eating it up. He was just loving his boss. he it was he just everything was clicking. And he had been there about six months or so. And one day, the boss he just adored, Uh, took him to uh, a new part of the plant. And he said, this is where you're going to be working now. And he took it as failure. And he kept saying, what did I do wrong? And the man kept saying, nothing. You've done nothing wrong. And he didn't believe him. He believed he failed. He believed he'd gotten a B. That was intolerable. He'd never gotten a B. So that's a setup. And uh, an hour and a half later, he was dead.
0: Really, that quickly?
1: And, yeah, he, he, he flipped, he, he, he flooded, he panicked, he took himself out. And that left me, as his mom, I had to find out what happened. And what I learned on the online years later was that that company, at that very time, was in negotiations with IBM to be bought out. And so his job was going to go and they were actually moving him to a place where he would survive the buyout. They were trying to keep him. He took it as failure and killed himself. And the whole idea is when you never get a B, you, you identify with A's. You identify as something that's just a letter. Mm -hmm. B's are very good. You know, B's, and we have to understand that grades are full of error on their own it can be the teacher it can be you're not feeling that well you haven't eaten a good enough meal you're at a low ebb whatever it is maybe you're being bullied i don't know but be you know grades grade all of that and they also grade the competence of the teacher the school system everything (laughs) we can't take those things personally and what's so important to remember is that when you get a lower grade, it means you have some more to learn. You're at an edge. You're at a growing edge. This is where you can learn something new. So grades are nothing, if, but if they're anything, they're a flag that, yes, you're at a new edge in life and you're about to learn something more than you knew before. Yes. That's growth that's what you want you want to keep pushing the envelope out so not to ever take anything personally but just go huh I wonder what I didn't understand or didn't and that's a growth issue and that's a good thing and so that's what I really want people to know because they when you identify with a letter that is you're, you're 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 shooting yourself in the foot yes that it is nothing but a, any, any little tiny anything. It's like a little flag of something. You don't even know what it means. But don't take it personally. Get curious. That's all. Just get curious. One of the most intelligent men I ever met was a guy who was my roommate for about three years while he was finishing his PhD in theoretical math in my son's bedroom, the one who died. And uh, he told me once, I'm not that smart, but I am uh, unusually determined. (laughs) And that boy right now is in Einstein's seat in Severn. And he has 21 PhDs under him.
0: Oh my word. (laughs) Student life, Hank.
1: He came to visit me and surprised the heck out of me just about four months ago, and mm-hmm. uh, updated me with what was going on. And I was like, "He's unusually determined." Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, was it. That was what made all the difference. You just never give up. No, and you will succeed. I mean, it wasn't it. Uh, let's see, who was it? the The guy who mm-hmm. created electricity, uh, Thomas Edison he mm-hmm. said i have i've discovered 10,000 ways that don't work mm-hmm. so he failed 10,000 times <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so do you know
0: when you look back on it cuz i know that's what you said that it's it's so hard to look back in hindsight and see the signs right what were some of the signs that you discovered later about why he was putting so much pressure on himself to be perfect to be the top like how did in hindsight how did that show that you're like oh right there was a moment I could have grasped
1: yeah I mean I all I saw was a little rocket ship going straight to the stars you couldn't stop this kid he was on a roll it's only because I'm a psychotherapist that you wonder why did he feel so pressured Yeah. It goes back to when he was three. He was molested. Yes. And that was just devastating. It was devastating for all of us, but we didn't know what to do. We my my husband was Scottish and he didn't believe in buying or paying anything and for anything. He wouldn't take let him go to a psychotherapist or anybody. And at that time I was just a mom and uh we I, I i tried to help him in in certain ways they all failed and so he never got any closure on that yeah. and right after that i divorced my husband and he took it as i'm too bad a boy my daddy left because i'm too bad a boy and when he got that message when the night he died it was the same message i'm too bad a boy mm-hmm. And that flooded him, and it's what created, and all the way along, that was driving him to try and prove he was a worthy person. And so that was the reason he was just rocketing straight up. It was because of a really horrendous negative message that he he was fighting to try and prove himself this whole time. Oh, right. Yeah. If that makes any sense
0: it really does it really does um so he you have another son as well right
1: i certainly do so mm-hmm. ha-
0: how was he affected by his how close was he to your son john he
1: was, he was a year and a half younger mm-hmm. and when you are in the shadow grow up in the shadow of a genius a true genius who was making us all look stupid <laughs> believe me mm-hmm. um it really is crucifying. And so he learned not to try and ante up at all, because he'd just get, you know, demolished verbally. And so when he went to school, they put him in special ed and diagnosing him with uh, learning disabilities and speech impediments. And I had never seen anything wrong with him, so I was very surprised. Yeah. But the teacher noticed a misfit and started teasing him about how much extra work he was doing, which made my son give him even more work. And he ended up um, testing out after the second year, but had missed two real years of school. And so he stayed really marginal until he was 14, when he quit school, became the biggest truant the school ever had. And Mm -hmm. in Santa Barbara, where is the truant going to go but the beach? So every day I'd get the call from San Marcos High School, and I would fly out of work and fly past San Marcos looking for my truant son and end up at the beach and do, you know, scour the perimeter, (laughs) a low flying buzzard looking for my truant son, never finding him, mad as a hornet, go back to work. And at five, I'd come home and there it'd be, I'd yell, hit Stonewall, and the next day he'd do it again. Mm -hmm. And so that went on for uh, a year. And um, despite all I could do, but what I didn't know is he brought a book to the beach with him called Getting Straight A's. Schools don't teach us how to learn. Mm -mm. That was a big problem. So he read and reread that book by himself at the beach every single day. And when he went back to school the next year, he went from a 1.0 to a 4.0. point. Mm-hmm. it, tamed it through City College, went on to aeronautical design engineering in Cal Poly, graduated with an offer from Lockheed, turned them down, saying, I don't want to be an engineer.
0: <laughs> and I'm I said, free spirits. I'm a free spirit too, so I get it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I said, well, what, what do you want to do? He says, I want to model virtual reality with a computer geniuses. And I said, Brad, if you've done what you just did, you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. So he took a minor in computer science. And a few years later, he was hired by someplace in New Zealand. And he was head of all the three Lord of the Rings virtual effects. That's amazing. Yeah, that was my stupid one. And-
0: <laughs> None of them are they just <laughs> have found the keys to what they need. Right. And that's yeah, That's the, what it is. Teaching them how to learn, not, yeah. not how to memorize things, but how,
1: how to learn.
0: processes information differently. So right. recognizing his individualism, was, what a smart self driven way to do like he super smart. He had well, intelligence to figure out, I needed to learn something. Well,
1: well, he told me on the way to his brother's funeral, he said, mom, as long as John was alive, I knew I was part of a really smart family. Yeah. and he didn't feel he was smart then but he knew he had it in him and i, I think john proved to him that he could overcome anything mm-hmm. by his life and the other thing is a few years ago i he and i went to the beach to have breakfast it's a beautiful beach down there and i was we were both having breakfast and all of a sudden he looked around and then he looked back at me with a great big smile and he said remember when I cut school and you come and do donuts in the parking lot looking for me, and I'm like, "Yeah, how
0: could I forget?"
1: And, he, and he's like, "Is he smiling?" and He's going, "Do you do you want to know where I was every single time?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, up on top of the bluff, eating a really great takeout breakfast, watching you drive yourself crazy. He's such
0: a gift, oh
1: my word. <laughs> That's what I have to deal with, Chrissy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. You and my mom should talk. Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> Send her to me. <laughs> yeah. So
0: how was he, how did he take the suicide and what is his life like now okay
1: what is, yeah yeah he had to take a semester off school he, he couldn't study he he just oh. lost his way so for a, a whole semester he just wandered and just tried to pull himself back together and in the meantime uh he did the three the lord of the rings and he was a superstar i mean he is the lord of the rings because of what the, the, the timeline and the scheduling and everything and all he had to cover and um, nothing can ever take that away from him that's one of that's like the most incredible thing and then afterwards he was like I'm done he just was like I'm done I did it <laughs> and he quit he quit and he started writing books and now he's writing a huge tome. Um, I hope he finishes it before he dies. But <laughs> he may not. But, you know, he's really uh, very, very, very much a researcher. He's very scientific. He's very engineer-like. And he's uh, exploring the real story of the history of America and uh, all that and finding going to the congressional record that all the, uh, that has been released that were used to be top secret. And he's finding really incredible uh, stories that have never been public. So he's on his own mission and, you know, I don't care as long as he's happy. I don't care what he does. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. He sounds super curious. I like that.
1: But he's super curious and he's also he happens to be really good looking and, and um um, it, it's really cute because people look at him and they just go oh my god <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't see that in himself at all
0: Aww.
1: do Which you have good.
0: grandkids Is he now married no no
1: nope, I am not gonna have grandchildren and you know what I have too much to do yes. <laughs> yes I'm I'm perfectly fine with it I mean the whole all the kids all every kid is my grandchild every yes. every child is, is Important to me, no matter how old they are. Absolutely. I love it. I have the same thing
0: with my kids. Their friends will call me sometimes like,
1: hi, mom, can I talk to you? Like,
0: it's, it's amazing. Yeah. To know that they have a safe place. And I think every child, every adult should have more places that bring out the softness in them instead of survival.
1: Oh my God. Absolutely. When I was raising my kids, I was a single parent and I had these adorable babysitters, and one of them uh, just uh, parked herself at my house and she never left, you know, yeah. from the time she was 13 and she'd bring her friends over. And then later on, boys followed the girls. And <laughs> I wouldn't know how many people would be at my house when I walked in the door. I couldn't imagine, between one and 12. And uh, anyway, my house was a safe house and it was a place where I could just sit there and, and they'd ask me questions. I think I went through oh, puberty at least really. six times. And, um, (laughs) it was a great (laughs) experience (laughs) and that's why I decided to become a psychotherapist actually, because I wanted to continue to do that forever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely your calling. So before we wrap up, what else do people need to know? Like how, with all these systems in place, we're only each one person, but how can we be part of the need to reset and create a safe, healthy, connected, and social society.
1: Start learning social emotional skills. If you're an adult, there are classes. There are books. Lobby for putting this in uh, hardwired into school curricula. Mm-hmm. They need kids absolutely need this for the balance, so that we aren't just I in in in. You know, intellectual IQ is not as important as emotional intelligence in learning how to get along and live in life. Learning that, changing the norms so that we don't expect adult behavior from young people who Mm -hmm. can't be there. Teach kids how to learn. Give them the books like my son got, getting straight A's. It saved his life. It brought, but he took it seriously. He really did. And he lived it. And he's the beneficiary ever since. Such a simple thing. There's so much to do. Change the kind of testing from uh, the curve to criterion referenced. That will change everything we'll, you know, we will stop having school shooters, we'll stop the drug epidemic, we'll stop all of that, they'll find out that life is worth living the way it is. And, you know, normally that you don't have to look elsewhere, you don't have to go to anything else. Nothing can possibly touch the brilliance within and genius within you. So yeah, those are a few things. Lovely, thank you.
0: Where can people find you and learn more about you and your work?
1: Well, my uh, website is sallyaraymond.com. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I'm not uh, great on social media. I'm a (laughs) full-time psychotherapist. Yes. I I have issues with social media anyway, so. Yeah.
0: (laughs) There's plenty of research material, though, I'm sure, in social media for psychotherapists. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, that part I
0: love. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Any uh, last
1: words of advice or encouragement that you would like to leave the listeners with? Just remember that the worst thing that can happen is really a teacher. It's always a teacher. When things are good, you're not learning much. You're just learning to just enjoy. But when things get hard and bad things happen, that's when we get the opportunity to grow more wherewithal more resilience more power and we really get the wisdom to begin to live our life more uh, authentically more powerfully and everything it's not the good times it's the bad it's the tough times that's what makes us who we become absolutely triumphant and that so nothing is bad in and of itself It's what we do about it that either makes it good or bad. So you have the power to make everything either fabulous or destroy yourself. I don't think that's a choice, but that's up to you. Absolutely. Beautifully said. Thank you so much for your time today and sharing your stories, Hallie. I'm happy to do it, Chrissy, anytime. Really.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of HealthWise 360 here on the In the Limelight Podcast Network, where we enlighten, entertain, and educate our listeners. Please remember to like,
1: share, and subscribe, and don't forget to tell your friends.